Hello and welcome to today's podcast as part of Circular Economy Week within the Sustainable Business Series Net Zero campaign. Delivered in partnership with Greater Birmingham Chambers of Commerce and Coventry and Wiltshire Chambers of Commerce, the campaign aims to share best practice, guidance and knowledge to progress businesses to net zero. Today, we're joined by Andy Weil, who's an associate of SWM and a key figure in the region. Um, but just before I do that, I'd like to thank our sponsors of the campaign, Arup Morgan Sindel, University of Birmingham and Aston. So, as we all know, sustainability is reaching the top of business's agenda. The net zero 2050 target by the UK government has caused a lot of businesses to react and scramble to progress uh, their carbon reduction emissions. So today I'm joined by Andy Weil. Welcome, Andy. Thanks, Will, and thanks, thanks for inviting me here today to discuss um, this critical business opportunity. Excellent. So today, Andy will be speaking on all things circular economy and, and I guess, the, its business relevance as, as well. Um, so, Andy, a, a good place to start is, uh, I guess, as an introduction, could you tell me a bit about your, your background and, and how you got into sustainability? Oh, right. Okay. It's been a few years now. I previously worked for a Japanese multinational corporation for over 30 years and uh, spent 20 years those years as a sustainability specialist. I was initially part of the production management team, but took the opportunity to help deliver the Rico Zero Waste to Landfill standard back in 2001. Um, and from there, I developed into a qualified sustainable practitioner and a circular economy specialist. But if you want to know more about me, there's plenty of stuff online. Um, and also feel free to join me on LinkedIn. But a key part of the development was actually being a member of SWM. Um, now that I'm part of the team, it's a privilege to share my knowledge and experience to help other businesses across the region improve their performance. Excellent, and, and thanks for sharing. So, so you, your background is 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 sustainability focused with a specialism on on circular economy, and and circular economy it's often um, can scare a lot of businesses because it it sounds quite technical. Um, so, so could you, I guess, ex explain, you know, what actually is the, the circular economy when we're talking about that? <laughs> oh, the dreaded explanation. Um, yeah, simplistically, well, I suppose it aims to keep products and components and materials at their highest value at all times. So it's taken a life cycle approach, and that involves uh, critically designing out waste in the first place, designing out pollution, and importantly for businesses, about maintaining material value. Okay, so so it's really, I guess, more about is it efficiency of, of resource use and, and waste? And um, it's, with, it's a little more than that. It's, it's, that's the concept. So we try and keep it simple. Um, the difficult thing that makes it difficult for a lot of people to understand this is really the conceptual models that have been out so far. So the Ellen MacArthur Foundation's Butterfly Diagram talks about biological and technological nutrients and people start to get lost at that sort of point. Um, IEMA, the Institute of Environmental Management Assessment, have a model that talks about take, make, dispose, uh, rather than reuse, and it, that talks about circular aspects. RICO have had a circular economy model since 1994. The only problem is that nobody understands these things. They're difficult concepts. Um, a while back, I wrote the business chapter for a policy advisory document for the government's recent resources and waste strategy working with the chief scientific advisors and some prominent respected academics. But it struck me that it wasn't something that explained what to do. 
So I began writing down the process that I would follow. And as chair of IEMA's Circular Economy Network, I was lucky enough to lead the steering group and to create an entire practitioner's framework. And that's the critical thing, practitioners, called um, exhaust extended resource ownership, which can actually be used by non-experts now to actually do things. So, so I'd just like to pick up on, on that framework. And you said that, that non-experts can get involved in, in this. I mean, with that in mind and, and that framework in mind, is that including businesses? And, and if so, you know, how can businesses get involved in the circular economy and, and what would it actually look like as a, a best practice example in a business? Um, good question. So essentially it's, it's a, it's a practitioner's model of things to do from design to choosing resources by working with suppliers, developing your sustainable manufacturing uh, business, and then working with customers uh, and then deciding what to do with the, the various ways that come out of the process. And then inevitably going back to the design stage, the key thing about engaging businesses, um, why should they be bothered? Why should they care? And it's getting them to understand that the manufacturing industries of the future depend on availability of materials. Um, critical resources are being strategically sourced and stored. Look at the energy crisis we're in now for a start. Um, resources such as cobalt and lithium are potential material conflicts of the future. The new technologies required to decarbonize our economy depend on these critical and scarce materials things like fuel cells, photovoltaics and LEDs. And they threaten the things we're looking at, such as the gigafactories. So they're fundamental to the economic growth in the UK. So key on a regional and national basis is for me is business continuity. The availability of resources and materials to consume the business that you use in your business. And you said before, this is a really important net zero contributor. Reusing resources and reducing waste can be used to calculate carbon equivalent savings. So these plans and pledges are also vastly becoming contractual issues. Um, they're already becoming a government requirement for things like uh, contracts over £5 million. And you say some SMEs that I've been talking to recently saying, well, it's £5 million, pounds, it's never going to touch us. Now, you need to understand that it's coming down through the value chain. So within the, um, the tier of the supply chains, there's going to be requirements throughout that to contribute to this overall target. So it's going to become... A contractual issue whether you like it or not yeah so it's it's kind of like it's coming down the supply chain isn't it so if i'm doing business with with someone else and they've got this net zero um plan that they've had to do as part of this this government contract for five million then they're going to start putting pressure or asking me about my environmental credentials and therefore that's how it's progressing to the value chain is, is that right that is exactly right. It's 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 saying I'm not part of this. It's not going to touch my business. It will touch your business. Mm. Um, there's other aspects as well, like um, in the world of post-Brexit, there's going to be more business benefits that you can pick up on as well. So reusing materials and products consumables vastly reduces the risk to production. It saves costs and saves carbon for a start. But those availability materials, lots of which we come from overseas, has raised the issue and highlighted the supply chain risks through availability and rapid growing costs, which add to inflation. Um, and also flip that round, a lot of the UK's waste and recycling goes overseas. And this gives away the inherent value locked in these resources. So key for me is to increase the circular, on, the circular economy infrastructure in the UK to address this, to improve our sovereign capability 
And my mission, is, SWI's mission, is to make the West Midlands the home of this. Absolutely. And I think that we are, you know, well placed as a region. We've got some very strong industries. And of course, you know, we've, we've got the proposal of, of a gigafactory as well, which would help lead um, EV manufacturing and, and production in, in the West Midlands. So it, it it's it's more, like you said earlier, I think it's that business continuity issue and then not being, um, you know, not having, not being at the hands of international suppliers who can control the supply chain. And then there's the geopolitical issues as, as well. And I think it, it's very interesting and, you know, it, it makes sense ultimately for, you know, a business future to, to almost de-risk from, um, you know, trading internationally and, and, and look at domestic um, produced materials, look at setting up the right domestic infrastructure. So we can really recycle those te technology critical materials that, that are used in, let's say, EVs or in other renewable technology to, to improve business resilience and actually create more security. I know um, our recent QBR report has, has said that a lot of businesses are facing um, inflationary pressures uh, from post-pandemic world and also in, in in light of Brexit. And as you said, now we've, we've got this energy crisis, which is um, really putting the strain on, on businesses. So it, it does make sense that overall. Um, I, I'd just like to say as, as well, so if, if I'm a business owner and I'm, 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 you know, I've grasped the circular economy, I've got a good idea of what it is. I mean, what, what would you advise, you know, I guess the best steps to, to start and then to to start implementing it into a business have you got any any key steps that businesses should follow around that yeah yeah sure obviously obviously the first point is ask swm we have um circular economy experts with experience to help up set up strategic and practitioner programs that's the advertising out of the way you can follow the extended resource ownership model and map that's a practical way of implementing stuff in your business but the key thing is to keep it simple and demystify um, utilizing simple questions. Uh, I always use something called the five R's, refuse, return, reduce, reuse, and recycle. So you can add simple questions that like, do I actually need it in the first place? Um, just can somebody else have it back? Can somebody else use it? Can we reuse it in the business for a start? Um, and then ultimately, can I recycle it? it trying to move away from a disposal point of um, uh, concept. Yeah, so it's, it's, I guess it's almost, you know, we have a catchphrase here, keep sustainability simple or, or, or something like that. And yeah. it, it doesn't need to be overcomplicated, does it? And I like that that five R's framework sort of checklist that you can go and, and take a common sense approach to, to improving, you know, the waste and resource management within your business through circular economy principles. So uh, absolutely fine with that, I guess. In in the West Midlands, are you seeing? You said that you worked at Rico and they embedded circular economy principles some time ago. Now, I mean, would would you be able to tell me a bit more about that that journey over at Rico and and how it came about and and really the benefits that that you reaped from from doing that? Um, yeah, luckily for me and. Telford is back in the eighties. Go back that far. Um, unemployment was quite high. And um, so the incentives was to drag a number of Japanese companies into the Telford area and sort of regenerate it. They brought with them a different way of working, shall we say. Um, but over time, that became a very hybrid approach, uh, sort of UK, Japanese, 
culture that developed and that sort of took the British um, innovation, especially we're having the West Midlands, the Telford area, and align that to Japanese continuous improvement concepts. Above that, um, customers in Japan started driving more of a corporate social responsibility approach, and that ended up becoming policies, uh, strategic policies, including, importantly, sustainability. And that, for me, is how I got involved in, um, I came from the production areas, and I got sort of wanted to make a difference. And so we we had, we're given this group standard of zero waste to landfill, which back in 1999-2000 was a really difficult concept to grasp and also to deliver. But we managed to do that in 2001. And um, since that time, the next step for me personally is to move to what I call a waste to product process. I had to get people in the factory to understand that by segregating its source, by understanding the value in the stuff that they were previously just throwing away, that we could reduce the costs um, and then work towards increasing the value to the point where we're actually getting revenue for it instead of paying someone to take it away. And so people then began to understand that there is material value that we can capture and add to the bottom line to the business. But since that point, there's been um, developing more reuse programs that have found even bigger savings. Yeah, so it, you kind of got some examples as well of what you were saying earlier with the, the driven um, need for environmental action through the supply chain with the Japanese supplier focusing more on CSR and then you having to react to that at, at, at Rico. And um, I, but one thing I'd, I'd just like to ask as well, I mean, it's really about, I guess, diving into the business and exploring it and, and working with, you know, the manufacturing team and who's down on the ground to, to really, I guess, understand no, where, where it all lies. I mean, do you have any, I guess, advice for collaborating, you know, and, and working with other departments for this circular economy approach? Uh, it's yes. Um, you hit a really point point there outside the organization is about networking. So, that's the benefit of working with Sustainability West Midlands and that you've got the networking groups. There is the Green Business Networks, which I chair as well, but that's bringing up the environmental business networks from across the region, sharing best practice. That's one way of accessing that. Um, within the factory itself, it's about uh, what, I, what I found was successful is piloting in one area, uh, sort of grazing your knees and developing the process and then horizontally deploying that to other areas of the organization so you're trying to work you, you then learn as you go around the organization on aspects of continuous improvement that you can deploy elsewhere and it's how you capture that and share that message back around the organization so you can improve the performance that then changes the culture over time um, if you can think back as far as when we used to have a bin collection every week and um at that time, this, this is a year before we were doing zero waste at Rico. And so we had to get that culture and understanding across and the business benefits of it. And the fact that it did contribute to business benefits on the bottom line, your triple bottom line aspects, which then almost helped secure and improve the profitability of the business. But then that underlying that, it helped improve your job security. So it came back to your own personal, uh, almost Maslow's hierarchy approach. A year later, you've got people with placards outside the local authority uh, campaigning and complaining that their, their bin collection was now going to once every two weeks. 
uh, for employees of Rico, that was already a cultural change that we'd adopted. And so over time, it's just then understanding the circular economy and almost demystifying to the point where you don't have to be a fully academic expert in this subject to be state, stating the bleeding obvious for want of a better phrase. Some of the best examples, which I'll talk about in a minute, actually, actually came from, um, I can say this because they're friends of mine, uh, but people in not exactly the highest part of the organisation, because, but as they worked on the job every day, they're actually recognising that they're experts who could spot the opportunities. Yes, it's like they're getting exposure to that day-to-day, aren't they? So they're going to have a better understanding of, of I guess, you know, where's best to make those improvements. So I'd just like to touch on on something as well. So, so you've you've you know been in this industry a while. You're very experienced. For for our, for our listeners today, are there any common uh, let's say common items or products, raw materials, whatever it may be that are often overlooked um, as an opportunity to maybe, you know, create some revenue from reuse, recycle. Do you, do you have any insight to that at all? And, and if so, could, could you share? Yeah, um, I think the best way to explain that is to talk about some of the case studies, because what, what I try and do is, is explain case studies so that people can go, ah, that applies to me. And there's lots, there's, there's a raft of different things. We could be here all day talking about the different opportunities. Raw materials are generally the biggest cost to any manufacturing organization. So if you can find some way of reusing those in your organization, that's going to have a massive saving. But there, there's also different savings that you may have as well. So some of the things we've been looking at um, in the health sector, because this is just incredibly varied what sectors we can look at. And our CEO, Anna Bright, um, has been part of a project that created reusable sharps boxes for the NHS. That resulted in a 92% reduction in waste. In the construction sector, I've been looking to be working with Wilmot Dixon on their Now or Never programme. But Morgan Sindel have diverted 96% of waste from landfill. And you talked earlier about um, reuse of EV batteries, AC on uh, in Telford. The rest of you member is uh, taking the spent batteries from EV buses and using them um, to create sustainable households so they become an energy storage for the PV systems they've got and they're building up in those. Those are quite complex programs, but they've been massive quick wins. So at Rico, for example, um, we were using incoming plastic pallets instead of buying new wooden ones. That saved £280,000 a year, 150 tonnes of waste, and saved 196 tonnes of carbon. Um, another company I'm working with, Stay Safe PPE, safety consumables, gloves, lab coats, things like that, things that you don't think of. But reusing lab coats saves the company they're dealing with £208,000 a year, 13 tonnes of waste, and an incredible 192 tonnes of carbon a year. So there's just so many varied opportunities. You just have to go with open eyes, demystifying it, and ask simple questions. I think it's just so amazing how such a simple change can create such a large impact, isn't it? Yeah. Um, So, so yeah, Andy, I think really I'd I'd just like to close with, um, with, with a question on, I guess, what would you say are the top three things that businesses should start to do when um, looking to implement a circular economy approach? Uh, One access 
the expertise and experience of our S, SWM for start, key. Um, the next thing is have an open pair of eyes. Uh, they, they, they've been referred to as hidden costs in the past. I call them ignorant costs because you just don't know about them. You're not looking at them. Understand that there are environmental impact reduction opportunities, carbon reduction and cost savings that could have a massive impact on your bottom line that we're just perfectly obvious there. Um, and then just involve the people. The, the key thing is to involve your people and ask them the questions. Understand that they are the experts in your organisation that will, once the culture changes in place, they will be ones who are generating these sort of savings for you. Andy, thank you so much for sharing your perspective and experience with us uh, today. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners will value what you've said and, and hopefully put it into practice. Um, so thank you very much for joining us. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. No, it's a privilege, Will. Thank you. I'd just like to say thank you for listening to this podcast as part of Circular Economy Week, as part of the Sustainable Business Series Net Zero, delivered in partnership with the Greater Birmingham Chambers of Commerce and Coventry and Warwickshire Chambers of Commerce. Thank you to our sponsors, Arup, Morgan Sindel, University of Birmingham and Aston University.